Welcome to the Expat Cast. I'm your host, Nicole Palazzo, and today I'm coming to you from a very sunny and slightly loud Chicago. As I mentioned, I'm here for a visit just to see friends and revisit my old stomping grounds. Um, I'm just here for a few days and then I head off to Philadelphia to see family. And while I'm here for the few days, I thought, you know, let me just go get a couple groceries, just some some vegetables, eggs, um, yogurt, granola, things like that. Spent $30 on just those few things. Blew my mind. I mean, I knew that groceries were more expensive here, but standing at the register was definitely a bit of a painful experience. And I think, you know what, it got me thinking, we just have to do a whole episode about food and drinks in Germany, uh, because I always end up talking about the price of, of grocery stores. Anyway, today's episode is with Reginald Anthony. It's actually really fitting that Reggie's episode is coming out right now because Reggie and I bonded very early on in my move over the fact that we both grew up in Philadelphia. And Reggie and I always knew each other since then. We would always have these great conversations, not just about Philly or America, but just about life in general. I mean, this guy, he can talk about anything and make it interesting and insightful and and deep in some way. It's, it's just always such a thrill to talk to him. And I was so excited to have him on the podcast because I knew we would have a great talk. The only thing was I didn't exactly know what we would talk about because as I sat down to prepare for the interview, I thought, hey, you know what? I've known this guy for almost a year and we've had so many conversations, but other than him growing up in Philly, I really don't know much about his personal history. So that's where I started off with this interview. I asked Reggie just very basic, how did you end up in Germany? And his answer just kicked off a whole great conversation. So I really hope that you guys enjoy our conversation as much as I did. Hey, what's up? <laughs> this is Reginald Anthony, and uh, I work in many different places, but you and I know each other from, of course, the Carl Schwartz House, the German American Institute. And uh, I've been living here in Freiburg for about 10 years, uh, teaching, organizing literature and hip hop workshops, and just uh, keeping it moving, you know? <laughs> That's all you can do as a freelancer. Yeah. Keep Have moving you, forward. You've been a freelancer this whole time? I had a few gigs. I guess you can say I had a couple of contracted gigs. Mm -hmm. I was an assistant teacher for a bit. And then I worked for, I think, the Cambridge Institute. Oh. And that was another contracted post. Mm -hmm. And that's uh, that was pretty pretty fun. You know, you get used to the stability. Yeah. And... Uh, it and those kind of ass those assignments they came and went so mm -hmm. <laughs> here we are well but the freelance life then you're you're lacking the stability but then you have the freedom exactly to chase whatever which is kind of nice yeah. yeah i mean you're right i think because you're constantly moving around from place to place you have to be really organized and you have to keep up with your things you know like i'm always losing stuff I have to call somebody and say, hey, listen, I'm looking for my umbrella. Yeah, you left it over <laughs> here. Then you got to bike back over there and right. get it. And so it's it's really funny. Sometimes the the projects that we pursue, they don't have necessarily a blueprint for how to get it done and do it right. But you just have to kind of, you know, I always tell my brother that my work feels like, you're flying in a plane and you decide to sort of just parachute out the thing, except there's no parachute. So you have to build it on the way down. 
mm-hmm. and you have a lot of, you know what I mean? Yeah. You don't have a lot of time. You just have to get it done so you don't splatter on the ground. <laughs> well, there's the so pressure. Yeah. Yes, exactly. Uh-huh. Yes, and ma'am. the pressure is one of the best motivators, I would say. Yes, ma'am. Yeah. It is. So, okay, I'm going to ask you something. We okay. know each other, and I've never asked this. How did you end up in Freiburg? What brought you here? Um, in 2006, I was in a conversation with my buddies back in the States. I was living in Tacoma, Washington at the time. And... Uh, me and my friends used to sort of talk about what it would be like to travel all over Europe. Two of my roommates were from Hungary, and they traveled to Europe quite frequently. And um, it's strange because I used to just watch a lot of movies that were set in Europe. Uh, one of my favorite films is uh, The Born Identity. And I used to watch that film all the time. And what I loved about the series, uh, it was all shot in and around uh, Europe, okay? So you have Munich and you have uh, Berlin and uh, Frankfurt. And I just started to think, you know what? That seems like an exciting place to be. So around 2006, after talking about it, watching all of these movies, I'm just kicking it with my buddies. And um, we had this television uh, back there, back in the uh, in the living room, we had we had a TV, and I started thinking to myself, you know, why are we always dreaming and talking about it? Let's just go out and do it. And then one day there was a um, uh, there was an interview, and uh, George Bush was talking about uh, Iran, and he was like, you know what, the United States has to prove its military power. We got to show them our might, and so we very well might go to war with Iran. And I said, fellas, you know what? I think I finally found the reason for my escape from the U.S., okay? Because <laughs> this guy's going to make it bad for all Americans wherever we go. And, and to be honest with you, I was just sick of the foreign policy, you know? I thought that I could have a better quality of life in another place where, you know, where I didn't have to hear about America constantly being up in arms with everybody, you know? Like, why can't we just get along with the rest of the world? And so for me, it just kind of came down to broadening my horizons and learning something more about the world than the U.S. Like, oh, we're the best. Oh, we're number one. We're going to kick everybody's butt. And so I, I really needed to I needed to grow. And so I didn't know where I was going to go, but I was I got on the Internet right away. The guys back in Tacoma, you know, we were again sitting in the living room watching TV. We had a dog. We had a Christmas tree up in the middle of the summer. (laughs) You know what I mean? It was a real bachelor's pad. Yeah. And so everybody's getting drunk. And after researching Germany, I came across this place called the Black Forest. And I was like, yo, I like the forest. (laughs) The Black Forest. Wow. That's quite intriguing. And so I turned to my buddies and they were all drunk. And I was like, yo, guys, I'm going to I'm going to move to this place called Freiburg. And they have something called the Black Forest. What do you all think? And they were like, uh, yeah, all right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I made up my mind right then and there. And on October 7th, 2006, I left and I only gave my family one week's notice. Whoa. I didn't tell anybody because sometimes when you have something to do, you don't want people to discourage you. 
So I said, I'm going for it. And me and my sister, we had dinner the Sunday before I left, one week before I before I boarded the plane for Europe. And um, I was like, yo, D, it's time. You know, I've been talking a lot, but now I'm out. She was like, for real? I was like, yeah. Called my mom up. I was like, mom, it's time to go. I'm out. I'll see y'all when I see you. And uh, that is the last so thing a mom wants to hear. <laughs> You're right. How did you react? <laughs> I'll see you. I love my you. family, but you know what mother wants their child to live far away from home. Yeah. They all hope that you, you know, just live, you know, across town or over in the next city, someplace in driving, driving distance. And so uh, for me, I, I had to do it for myself, you know. I know that, you know, it wasn't a popular decision because most people don't even understand why you should leave the U.S. in the first place. Definitely. And you could tell they, they don't go anywhere, mm. you know. So I took the chance and I came. Wow. That's why. Bold. Bold. I yes. like it. Yes. Cool. And how, okay, so, Wow. Mm-hmm. So how was it when you got here? Did you have anything set up in terms of like I, a job? Did you uh, I had nothing. I didn't know anybody. Wow. I didn't have a place to live. Nothing. I landed in Frankfurt like, hey, <laughs> here I am. <laughs> what are we going to do? <laughs> I'm serious. I walked around the town and uh, I, I stayed in Frankfurt for one night and then boarded a, uh, a train to Freiburg. Came here and stayed at the Black Forest Hostel for hmm. about a month until I could find a place to live. Had you been to Europe before? Never. Wow. So not only sight unseen for Freiburg, but mm-hmm. for Germany, for Europe overall. Okay. First time in Europe. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So you're in the hostel. Did you have any... I, so you had the dream of being abroad but did you know what that would look like or did you have any hopes of what you would be able to do in terms of work or life um i think the idea of of teaching and organizing workshops you know was somewhere in the back of my mind but i was a long way away from that you know when you arrive here you you have to get set up you need a home address you have to deal with, you know, the Ausländer Behörde, I believe. Yeah. Immediately, they're like, yo, where do you stay? Why are you here? How long are you going to be here? And so forth. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, it was really about making sure I had the essentials first. Right. And that kind of came together, interestingly. I mean, believe it or not, when you're a foreigner and you arrive in this country, unless you come as a student or something... You really got to hit the pavement. You know how it is. Mm-hmm. You got to start grinding. You know, you might find yourself at Burger King trying to find a job and you have a suit on and they'll be like, uh, no. <laughs> You'd be like, wait a minute. This is Burger King. This is, isn't this an American company? And? Flash your passport. Uh, Come on. <laughs> but I'm serious. You know, you, you, you're, I, I think sometimes... We get it wrong. You know, we, you leave home, you think the world is waiting for you. You think opportunities are just going to sort of fall out of the sky, but you have to grind almost for, for everything. And then if you come and, you know, 
it's your first time in Europe and you have to learn, of course, the culture. You have to learn the language. You struggle with that. Man, you're, you're kind of on your own until you can build yourself a network of friends and colleagues and associates that can help you along. And so I, I, I really just had to, um, for lack of a better expression, just pay my dues. Definitely. And, and, and meet people and, and, and gain their trust. And I think we don't really even realize how huge friendship is. Friendship is such a big deal in this culture. It's so huge and it takes time to make friends. You know, I used to go to this one shop in the Vieta all the time and I would walk into the market. I would always say good morning. You know, the two of the cashiers, they would wave. The owner never said hello. I mean, for like three years. I'm like, dude, I live around the corner. You know, where's the love? You know me. He's looking at me like, I don't know who you are. (laughs) No, man. For like three years, I'm like, yo, am I not bringing business? He's like, I don't care. I don't care if you bring business or not, you know? So it's, yeah, you you definitely have, um, you have some cultural hurdles that you have to jump over when you arrive here. And Mm -hmm. you got to get that down first. Yeah. You know, so that was, it was like for me. It's a big undertaking. I mean, that's, yeah, because, um, I've heard it said that um, in Germany, and especially making friends with Germans, yes, ma'am. Um, once you're in, you're good for life, right? You know, <laughs> these people will be there for you, and, and, and you're a true close friend. Right. Um, but getting to that point is yes. long and tough um, yes. because they're not necessarily, in general, the most open people i would say totally welcoming right you know nothing hostile at all right. but very much people are doing their business you know exactly and until right. you have a reason to cross paths beyond just here is your your pretzel have a nice day you know right. You, you're right yeah you, you you need a reason and you have to find common ground mm-hmm. that probably would explain why there are so many different types of social clubs because that's also a place where people can meet that's true there's a huge a lot of of clubs Mm -hmm. you know you got to really belong to something yeah (laughs) it's like whoa (laughs) and i've heard people ask that too they'll say you know if i'm starting to talk to someone they're like okay you know getting to know each other so what are your hobbies what sports do you do yes ma'am it's like i don't I don't really have like an, a, um, a resume for my, you know, I, was, I don't know. I, I read, yes. uh, I go on runs. Like these are all solo activities and exactly. I don't know that they're Me hobbies. Too. No, for Germans, like, okay, I, um, I do, I'm, I'm a horseback rider and I'm right. part of the club. Exactly. I, um, you know, I, I meet with these other people who have this shared interest. Even if you're, you're a reader, there's a book club and, and you're going to be in it, you know, and exactly. all of this. Um, exactly. so that's, oh, it's kind of an adjustment. <laughs> Seriously, it's a major adjustment, and um, it, it, it's it's also it's hard to not you know take it personally. You have to you have to you have to really just you have to breathe, yeah. and you have to really take your time, and eventually, hopefully, you'll develop a thick skin. You know, um, you have to get used to hearing the truth, and. You know, that's how you know that our culture, you know, back home in the States, it's it's so different. You know, there's this we have this propensity to not want to hurt each other's feelings. And so if something goes wrong, 
you know, you'll blame it on somebody else. You'll be like, yeah, you know, I'm sorry you got yeah, the, the dog, the dog's fault. You know, <laughs> it's this person's fault. And um, you have to really come into this awareness of living a, a very practical life. Like everything has to be extremely practical and tangible. So if you do something, there has to be like immediate results. There must be results. You know, everything that you do has to has to stand for something. Mm-hmm. And, and, and that's how people also get to know you being being reliable. You know, remember back in the States, we have this thing with called, you know, being being fashionably late. And it was a big thing. If something was going down, we'd show up 10, 15 minutes late. Like, voila, here I am. But that that punklichkeit, mm-hmm. that that. You have to be punctual mm-hmm. here, you know? You you can't <laughs> don't learn that the hard way. It's and you you think to a certain extent, you think, well, you know, but these rules are not for me. They don't apply for me. I can just be myself. You know, we have this thing also in the States where we we think, you know what, I can be myself, I can be true to who I am. That's not gonna really fly everywhere. <laughs> no. Do you know what I mean? I totally do. Yeah, the sense of individuality, yes, you know. Ma'am. And this is something, I mean, I've been I've been commended for my individuality on both sides of the Atlantic, but here it's with like a little look in the eye, like, right. wow, like where did you how is this happening? How are you being in any way different, you know? And there's right. a little bit of almost not quite distrust, but um hesitation in the states. Right. Anyone who's doing their own thing is is very much commended and and you know, good for you, yes, chase ma'am. your own path. And and it's a process. I mean, and I'm still new to the country. I'm still going through how do I grapple with being a very um, individual person mm-hmm. in a place where that's not necessarily, I don't know, as celebrated. Mm-hmm. You know, it's still considered good in some ways, but yes, there's ma'am. very much a time and a place for it. And, um, and if you're beyond that, then you have to know that you're taking a risk. And there are some times where I'm just trying to be me. I wasn't trying to take a risk. And now all of a sudden I'm in some situation where, where it's a statement. (laughs) Exactly. That's right. That's right. So what do you think anything or anyone or any experience helped you get through that first year or two, or I don't know how long it took till you felt like you were a part here, like you had your place. Um, the people that I had the good fortune of meeting when I got here, really just kind of broke the game down to me. And believe it or not, even in a place like Freiburg, although it's, it, it, it would be considered kind of a small town or even a, a huge village to us, um, there are many different realities happening. So one group of friends might say, okay, Reggie, we're going to give you some advice as to how you should go about uh, finding work. So this particular group of people, they will advise you as to what you should do here. But then in this other category, you know, you might find some people that'll tell you, you know, where you should socialize. Here's where the new clubs are at the discotheques. You know, you should go over here to have a good time. I do love that they're you, still called the discotheques. I, <laughs> that's, is it kind of old school? It's kind of old school. 
I know, right? But that's <laughs> what they call them. It's real, yeah. It's and a, they don't really mean disco. It has nothing it to do with a, disco anymore, but... I know, right? What is it now? What did they call I it? I mean, in the States, it would, like, a club. It yeah, it is a club in the States, yeah. but when I got here, they no. literally had the... It's disco It had disco yeah. check mm-hmm. right above the building. No, I think that's I think that's still a thing. It's, okay. No, I'm saying that I, I find it old school seeming because... It, where I'm coming from, right? right where you're, right. you're coming from too. It's totally right. out, outdated. But yeah. No, I think here it's still a thing. Yeah, that's I find right. It charming. Anyway, okay. So here's where they're saying you should go to these clubs or discos. Or- right. There's almost like a, a, a different group of people, you know, to help you out for whatever aspect of your life you're trying to to get through or improve. So you might have a group of people that you you hang out with at the club, and then there might be another group of people that can you know help you professionally. And then there might be another group of people that ask you about, you know, your faith. And people might like, when I first got here, I met so many. Oh, you want to know? Oh, man. You know, he'll talk to you real quick, the Jehovah's Witnesses. I'm not lying. As soon as they see you looking around like you're lost, they will come up to you and have a conversation. <laughs> and it's so funny because whenever, they, whenever, if I'm stopped on the street in Freiburg and someone says a kind word, I'll be like, I know you're a Jehovah's Witness. <laughs> I know you're a Jehovah's Witness. There is no way you want to get to know me. I'm sorry. It's just true. I'm Did sorry. That's my experience, first? huh? I had a great time. And, I, and, and, and to be honest with you, I guess the first, well, I met a lot of people, but uh, I would have to say that people from the Jehovah's Witness, you know, they're definitely out there doing their job. So congratulations. Y'all are definitely networking and connecting people. So they would be like, yo, why don't you come down to the Kingdom Hall? We know that you're new here. You need to to you need to have a community. And I'd be like, listen, uh, I'm sure the Kingdom Hall is great. But uh, that Starbucks over there is my Kingdom Hall. So (laughs) why don't we go hang out, have coffee and talk? Mm -hmm. And believe it or not, that's where I used to hang out at. You know, I would go to a Starbucks. There might be other foreigners there or whoever. Everybody goes to Starbucks these days. But uh, me and the Jehovah's Witnesses, we would just like sit down and dialogue, just have conversation. That's awesome. Yo, it was great. And and they would get so frustrated that they would bring more people to talk to me. So that's how I started like, you know, getting to know folks. By upsetting Jehovah's Witnesses. Sure. They'd be like, oh man, we really got to get this guy. He's so close, you know? So I'm like, yo, line him up, Bring, bring, (laughs) bring the next group. Let's go. Wow. It was great. That's fascinating. Yes, ma'am. So this is that's like was one of your first social ways to fill your social needs. Yeah, these this was one of the first groups that that, that, that reached, reached out. out to me. Yeah. That's great. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I didn't I mm, I don't think I ever would have guessed that answer. I have seen them, but I don't think I've actually talked to them. Oh, they're out in full force. Yeah. And and uh Are they the ones with the carts of the Bibles? that yes and then they also have the watchtower pamphlets you know yeah yeah and um you know they'll they'll really they'll sell that thing they'll use any angle to push their agenda and you know no disrespect they'll be like yo you know what we know this could really help improve your german so you can read about the bible in german in german and you can learn that way and and it was just we just had some very dynamic conversations. And the thing is, too, you can't really don't listen so much to what they're saying, but try to hear what the person is explaining, because that person is telling you something about their life. And as an American, sometimes we don't really know how to read people like myself. 
it was hard for me. I don't always know how to read like, you know, German people Definitely. because they communicate differently. Their body mm-hmm. language is different. So whenever I would talk to Jehovah's Witness, I got to know people by trying to listen to how they themselves came to become or be a, Je- a Jehovah's Witness. So it, it, it just it just gave me a little bit of insight to how people behave here, how customs work and so forth. You know, yeah, and yeah, and as Americans, great. we need that because back in the day, how I met people was I would like stop people on the street. You high five folks. You'd be like, yo, what's going on? How are you doing? Where you come from? I come from here. You can't do that here. Mm-hmm. You can't, you know, people will think something is wrong with you. You cannot stop people on the streets and strike up a conversation or have small talk. It's like, forget about it. It will not work. It does not work. Mm-hmm. The small talk in general is not an interest of most Germans. Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I think maybe it goes yeah. beyond, I, I haven't lived in other countries, so I can't really say, but I, I think it's right. a very American-specific it is. thing. This, it is. The small talk. Yeah. Um, so then, so over time, so you're teaching? Did you yes, start ma'am. teaching? Okay. Yeah. Um, what did you do before you came to Germany? Like, did you have a background as a teacher or uh, a different career or something? Um. Well... I was working in the music industry. That was a very interesting experience and time in my life. Um, I guess because I studied psychology and I loved to write, I really, really loved meeting and talking with artists. I wanted to get involved with helping specifically artists. How should they go about pursuing their dream? How should they go about learning the mechanics of the music industry. And I got really, really involved with that. For many years, that's all I concentrated on. I wrote up profiles and articles on artists and um, worked in public relations. And eventually, I started doing these Q&A sessions and setting up workshops because I wanted to connect the educational community, specifically students. Um, I wanted to help students learn more about how they should go about becoming an artist. And that's where I, that's that's how I ended up working at schools. Mm-hmm. So in schools here or schools in the States? Schools in the U.S. and also uh, youth centers. Yeah. Um, hospitals and so forth. I remember in at one particular assignment I had because uh, I remember this one particular assignment I was working as a counselor at a hospital and they said, you know, how can we um, how can we bring our patients together to uh, and get them to open up and find out more about who they are as people? And I said, hey, let's have uh, let's start some hip hop workshops. And the director said, that sounds great. And this happened in Tacoma, Washington. I was working at Western State Hospital, and uh, that's how I started with my hip-hop workshops. That's So you had this whole like, career of passion going on. Yes. How Was it hard to leave that aspect of things when you were making this choice to chase your, your dream of living abroad? I never thought that I was leaving it behind because... There's so many young people that have a dream and 
I didn't know enough about Freiburg. I thought, I thought Germany, in my mind, uh, Berlin represented all of Germany for me, okay. believe yeah. it or not. Even Freiburg to a certain extent. When I got to Freiburg, all I did was talk about big cities. I would always compare them to this place, whether that was New York, Chicago, or whatever. And Berlin was just on the radar. And so when I finally got a chance to go to Berlin, I was like, wow, this place is really exciting. But my life was now in Freiburg. Um, it wasn't so hard to, to answer your question. It wasn't difficult to leave behind the music industry because of all the changes that had taken place. The people that you know today and your network of colleagues change radically depending on the way technology evolves. So when I got into the music industry, as an example, everything was about CDs. Everything was about prom promoting music through uh, that particular outlet. You know, if you wanted to buy your favorite record, you had to go to a Tower, Towers Records, for example. Mm -hmm. You had to go to a Sam Goody. You know, you had to go to whatever music outlet um, that sold music was at. If you wanted your artist, that's where you had to be if you wanted to get that person's product. But then what happens when these places start shutting down? What happens when 1999 comes along and Napster enters the scene? So all of these contacts that you have, you know, when Napster came into play and people started sharing music online, a lot of friends I had, they, they, they lost their jobs. That was it. There goes your contacts. Contacts out of the window. Assignments out of the window. PR projects out of the window. So for me, I, I really had to try to find a way uh, to reinvent myself. And doing so in Europe, for me, moving to Europe was like um, becoming more global and breaking outside of that box because it was no longer there. Yeah. There's I mean, stepping yeah. over the box and then you, you left the it exactly. thousands of miles away. <laughs> I left it thousands of miles yeah. away. Did you, you know? consider yourself at the time a cultural ambassador? Are you confused? Are you waiting for the zack, zack, zack? Are you waiting for the normal ending routine? Not today, my friends. I've tricked you, sort of. Well, actually, I just thought that conversation with Reggie was so wonderful. I didn't want to cut anything out, and we talked for nearly an hour. So I decided, you know what? I'm going to make this a two-parter. I want all of his great thoughts to be shared unedited. So that's what we're doing. That was part one, and now you'll have to wait till next week to hear his answer to the question about being a cultural ambassador. Until then, you can check us out on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, or Pinterest at The Expat Cast. Head over there to give us your thoughts on today's episode. I want to thank, as always, my producer for The Expat Cast, my, my partner in life and in podcasting, Gordon Eisenach. Thank you, as always, to Amy Lundy Art for the logo and Sidehug for the theme music. You can find them on Instagram at a hug from the side. As always, please leave us a rating, a review, and hit subscribe on whatever your app of choice is. I've got to run off and go frolic around Chicago with my bestie. So again, check out social media if you want to follow along with that. And we'll be back in your feed next week for more expat fun. <laughs>